Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everybody? It's another Tuesday morning in America! On planet Earth! In the in the black quadrant of the Milky Way, where we literally, we still have no idea what we're doing on this planet. But, in the meantime, we can find ways of putting money on the table for our kids, for our, our, uh, our friends... I don't know if you pay for food for your friends. Sometimes I've I've started doing that. That's helpful sometimes. But we gotta make that money. Is this thing that I that I like? Just like it gets taught, just gets put into your veins. That it's like, oh my gosh, if you have money to pay for rent, you you don't get kicked out of your house. Sensational, terrific. If you have money to feed your kids, they don't get scurvy, which is the thing that <laughs> that we used to get when we were pirates and stuff. And what, what what's so crazy about this money-making thing is how it sort of intertwines and interweaves with this other thing that we have going on in ourselves, which is like this desire to express, this desire to be authentic, this desire to discover who we are, even, and to be like, to just be real in the world, to not have to be somebody else, to be yourself. Well, welcome to The Fizzle Show. This is where we explore the intersection of who you are and what you're on the planet to do. With a little caveat on the side of like, actually, not a little caveat. Most of the show is about, so how do we actually make money doing this stuff? How do we actually make it a sustainable venture? How do we make it so that it's not just a hobby? It's something we can earn a full-time living doing something we care about. That's our that's our gig here. And today on the show we have some we have a special guest. We always have some hosts and then we've got a very special guest. And we're going to get into a topic uh, uh like like here's one thing you're going to get out of this episode. We're going to talk about how do we use the internet? How do we use the things available at our disposal here to actually educate ourselves? There are so many places you can go to learn about what, like, how to do a business. How, like, like for instance, Corbett, do you remember on joined today? One of the one of the co-hosts here, Corbett Barr, say what's up, Corbett. Hey, howdy, everybody. Corbett, do you remember when you you like uh, we did this on a show live? I think you went to like the the U.S. government like small business recommendations <laughs> website or something like. That. I think and, we just picked apart their recommendations for a whole episode once. It was amazing what they tell you to do. It was just like, there's so many places you can go and get educate. I'm putting in quotes there, education about doing business. And it, and it's like, it might be helpful for some people. It just was not helpful for the vast majority of people that we see in the world. Well, they, they just make it sound as if getting a business license is the essence of starting a business. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Also joined by Aiden Fishbein. Aiden, say what's up. Oh, good day, fine people. And Aiden, you have a lo- you have a relationship with our guest today. So would you meet? Why don't you uh, uh, update? Tell us who is joining us on the Fizzle Show today? Because I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, it's it's a treat. Um, it's a pleasure, and it's probably a little overdue. But uh, my good old friend Chris Doe, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Yeah, Yay! thank you for having me. Am I the special guest? <laughs> <laughs> so the future, like, like like I feel like it doesn't do him any any justice to just call him Chris Doe. Now, Chris, I have to admit, I'm not, I haven't been familiar with your work up until recently. And I realized I saw that trailer that you made for that. That's like the, the channel, the video on your YouTube channel for the future right now, Mm -hmm. by the way, the future is F the F U T U R no E at the end folks. But like I, I saw in there you, what I, here's what I picked up on you in there. Tons of, uh, uh, like really articulate energy directed towards like actually like engaging with the problems that matter for business right then uh, then close close follow up to that is the desire to to share that to like get people to to stop you know playing with themselves and start making a business uh what <laughs> can you give us a little sense of like what you've been doing in the world like why why like how did you get to where you are now like where are you now and then sure. how did you get there <laughs> Chase is excited, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Look, I just want to say this right off the bat. I have no judgment. If you want to play with yourself, no problem. Totally yeah, okay. Yeah. And you will not go oh. blind. But now, <laughs> where am right. I in the world? Okay, I've been running a motion design firm called Blind for 23 years. We make commercials, music videos, and some, some websites and branding projects for some really big, important clients. 
But the last five years have been the most interesting and transformative in terms of what I'm going through. A friend of mine dragged me onto the internet, onto YouTube and said, let's host a show. And I was very reluctant to do that. But in doing so, it opened up an entirely different career path and arc for my life that I'm truly just 100% immersed in right now. So much so that in December of last year, I got together with my team of 12 people. I said, you know what? Let's not do any more client work. Let's make the future a business model that doesn't require any more clients. How wonderful would that be? And thus far, a few months into it, we're doing okay. So that means that we have to make up for a lot of income that we're not getting, lost income, if you will, or opportunity cost of not doing any client work. We've walked away from two massive jobs to the tune of about $700,000 and just said no. And these are not like little rinky-dink clients. One is for Xbox and the other is for League of Legends. Now, in our previous life, we would have died and cried to do these projects. But now we're on a different mission and path in life, which is to teach and empower creative entrepreneurs just like you guys and your entire audience to be able to live their life, their dream, doing what it is that they love, how to value themselves and to communicate their value to other people. That's what we're doing. And we're making money doing it too. So this is not like a big charity case because the business model only works if you have capital to fuel the cause. Mm. Mm, I love this is this is fascinating. Aiden, where do you want to go with it? Where you could like you just, just I, like I want to just dive in and just start like <laughs> ah, ah, ah. right. <laughs> so curious. <laughs> I'm so curious. But maybe we should put a little uh, direction in our inquiry. I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, I love direction, as you know. Um, I, I pride myself on being the split-brained creative. But uh, Chris, I actually, I, I've, you know, I dug back into a lot of your content recently over the last couple of days, mm-hmm. um, and and nobody actually. I'm not sure if you you talk about this too much, and you might need to clarify it for me. I'm interested in just a touch of the really really early days. Um, I feel like. Because you do, you're a comprehensive guy. Um, you have a lot of roles. You're, you're playing a lot of roles right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the early, early, early stages of your life, um, were there any kinds of precursors to what you've done here now or, or where the mission, do you feel like an arc is finally completing when you look at like super, super early days, maybe even when you were coming from, um, what was it, Saigon to, yeah. to America? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how does this all kind of come together? Uh, I feel an incredible debt to this wonderful country that has accepted my my family and I, and we have a very large family. We fled communist Vietnam in 1975 and came to America, landed in Kansas City of all places. My dad's first job was to be a busboy because we didn't he didn't speak the, the language and understand the culture. And this is what we did. And he was able to by lift him up lift himself up by his bootstraps, if you will, that, that famous expression from Ben Franklin, I believe, to be able to make it in America and to provide for himself and for us and to give us a new life in this dream. We landed in the best possible place of, of anywhere in the entire world called America. And so we, we owe a debt, and I feel this very much, and this reciprocity of like, how do you repay this debt? So I, just like many people, just tried to make a living for myself to do a little bit better than my parents and have succeeded beyond my wildest dreams in terms of my career, the accolades that I've won and the opportunities I've been given and, and financially done more than I ever thought I could do. In the meantime, I've been teaching at Art Center, been lecturing here and there and, and doing like little workshops, but nothing on the scale in which we're doing now. Right. And when the, the, the stars are aligned, if you will, and that opportunity, desire, interest, expertise, all kind of line up really nicely. It allows me to give back 100% of who I am to this community that sometimes I, I don't really know who they are. But when I bump them into them in real life, you really do feel the stories and the messages that it is working, that people's lives are being transformed. Right. Yeah. So there's like this profound gratitude. And, and I love the way you kind of put it earlier. Um, I don't believe it has to be charity for you to, to provide value uh, meaningfully that benefits everybody and everybody wins. Um, and it sounds like that was kind of instilled early on as one of your goals. Um, and, and now it's kind of been realized full circle. Um, one of the things that I was like really curious about was um, as somebody who's kind of come here to do that, to, to just do a little bit better than your parents. Um, when you went to art school, mm-hmm. and I'm really curious about this, when you went to art school, how did your family feel? I didn't know the truth about how my family truly felt. Uh, I, I just, maybe I was blinded by it. Or then later on, I found out my mom was shielding me from this, that there were lots of questions about 
where my heart was, what my drive and motivation was. If doing this thing was a giant waste of money because going to art center was at that time, the same cost as going to Stanford. Right. They much prefer Stanford over art center. And my dad who had strong opinions about this was not allowed to express his opinions by my mom. And I didn't realize this until decades later. And then she tells me, it's like, you know, your dad has these opinions. I asked him not to say anything. And I like to think of myself as a pretty self-determined person, but there's this thing in, in all of us that we want to make our parents happy. And had he expressed his true feeling, like I knew he wasn't a fan of it, but to, to outright and say, this is a bad decision, that might have altered my course and my path. So in, in my mind, my mom's the hero here because she allowed me to pursue my dream. Right. Those of you guys that are parents, this is really the primary obligation as a parent is to listen to what your kids want and allow them to be who they are. And don't try to force your failed plans onto them. Mm. Chris, uh, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Go do ahead. you do you recall uh, from art school classmates of yours who didn't make it in in the world of design and art, and uh, whose parents may have been right for yeah questioning their choice? Yes, for sure. And it was sad because uh, for me, I would hang out with people, classmates, or not cl- classmates, but schoolmates that were upper term to kind of see where they go and what decisions and what, what instructors and classes to take. And I remember one time I was still in school and that this guy had already graduated. So now he's out of my circle and I went to Blockbuster to rent a video and he's working behind the counter. And that just broke my heart into a thousand pieces thinking, wow, I thought this was a guaranteed outcome that you can go to an amazing school with incredible teachers and classmates and your future was set. And that's not true at all. This is true of anywhere you go in life. If you go to Princeton, Yale, Harvard, your outcome in life is not a guarantee, regardless of how much money you spent to get there. So there was still this component of talent, desire, heart, motivation, and just good old fashioned hard work and opportunity that has to happen for you to succeed. So there there were a few, and I'm not saying that there were a majority of people who failed, but let me contrast that before everybody jumps off the creative bridge here, okay? <laughs> then I had friends who were younger than me getting out of school and then becoming leads at Microsoft, just commanding entire departments. And I was thinking, you're just a kid, and they gave you all this power? This is amazing. And other people who went on to do very influential things and work at very prominent companies and then just start their own company. Two of the guys from Art Center started InCase, the, the company that makes right. bags for your iPhone. Like they must be multimillionaires a couple times over. This is fantastic. So there are success stories as well as cautionary tales. But I think the only difference is really talent and desire. Right. And, and so I'll add one more ingredient just because I know you're, you're passionate about this, but so, so there's talent, there's desire, but then correct me if I'm not mistaken, but don't you, don't you have a kind of a personal vendetta about kind of the business education structure inside of art school or the lack thereof? Uh, would you, would you say you agree with that statement? Uh, I would. <laughs> Stewie, I would. <laughs> That's a light Stewie, right? Is yeah, that yeah, uh, yeah. where you're going with that? Okay. You got to play that up a little bit stronger. So I can <laughs> your audio cues here. I, I, I feel like Today, especially being a creative human, being a, being a maker, a craftsperson, being very talented and skillful at doing what it is that you do, is just a tiny little bit of the success formula. It was less true earlier on, but now it's like, do you know how to market yourself? Do you know how to, to build your personal brand? Do you know how to speak the language of business so that you can be taken seriously by the people who are making decisions? Are you stuck talking about typography, color, letter spacing, and whether or not that's the right cut of Helvetica? If that's your obsession, there's a place for you. But if you want to be in conversation, in dialogue, helping to guide business owners down a path, you have to expand what it is you know way beyond the aesthetic component of it. Right. So, so I'm going to like leave it, leave it up to Chase, but this is kind of, this is the bridge that I, as a creative entrepreneur was never told I needed to walk. Cause it was, it was precisely what you just said, Chris, where, um, my story was I, I didn't go to university because I knew that, or I had this inkling that spending money on something like this would be a waste. Um, but then I went directly into, into apprenticeships um, where I did learn how to hone that skill. And it wasn't until I accidentally learned from the failure and mistakes of somebody I was working for how to do business, right? And I'm so blessed that my entry into this world was, unfortunately, but gratefully, at the hands of somebody else's silly mistakes. Um, 
But what happened is, is I looked at that stuff and then I, and then I went on the internet, right? And that's when I found Fizzle and that's when I found the future. And so what was really interesting to me was there weren't a lot of platforms out there that were talking about it in, in this way, but I felt like both you, and it's just, I, I think kind of crazy that you've never crossed paths, but were tackling this from the same perspective. Corbett was eviscerating the secretary of state for all of the, all of the ways that you need to start your business. And Chris is eviscerating art school, uh, lack of preparing creative professionals for um, even very simple freelance careers. So I don't know. I'll leave it there. But that was what that was what was so instrumental for me. Uh, and both you guys gave me uh, just so much education to the point where I, I did succeed. You know, I was able to build the company uh, with a couple partners, and um, and we have a stable, solid foundation that involves a lot of creativity because we were able to tackle some of the important stuff that so many artists struggle with. Aiden, do you see, uh, are you capable, uh, you're, you're a pretty listy guy, you're a pretty organized guy. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you can chunk down a little bit of like, you, you're talking about the business of, uh, the business of art almost, or, or, or um, creative, the business side of creative endeavors. Was there, could, can you see like, is there like a Venn diagram <laughs> like for, to you? Do you see like different buckets that are like, well, there's getting paid, there's ex, exp, explaining what your value is and make, making it resonate with people. Were there, were there like actual categories for you, Aiden? Or was it kind of just this, this is what my life has been like. I just soak in things by osmosis and it kind of starts to get in and mm-hmm. it shifts my perspective. Do you see categories though when you think back on the Aiden who did it didn't have the tools that he needed to actually succeed in business so to speak all that's in quotes um and then you learn from a Corbett and and Chris here and like you get these different perspectives you learn these things were there categories or is it really just kind of like because I have to admit for me it's like I could probably come up with the categories but I did not learn them categorically I learned them just real spray and pray and, and, you know, I, I think it was kind of a, a definite element of spray and pray, but, but I do think this way and I can't help it. And I think that's good. And, and I think, I don't know how unique I am in that, but um, I do have certain tendencies and I did have a tendency to understanding the importance of operations, right? Um, the under, understanding of systems and automations. Um, it, and a lot of that was like shown to me, the importance was shown to me by, by the implications and consequences of people who did not institute that stuff. Um, and having that natural tendency, when I started my thing, that was number one. And that's what Fizzle did for me. So Fizzle did um, operations and systems, um, and, and it encouraged me to, to have a, a profound respect for that. What the future did, and particularly Chris, was delegation, right? Delegation, art direction, instead of continuing to, to produce all the art myself, um, as well as um, how to strategically add value to creative work by way of same kind of stuff. And this is where it got married by being systematic in your strategic planning for creative projects, because creatives really, really, really just want to dive in and get messy, um, get the hands in the paint right away. But, and, and this was in some of your courses, Chris core in specific, um, adding a discovery phase to my creative process, 10 X what I was able to charge. Right. And I'm sure I'm not the first person you've heard that from, but that plus the operations and the, and the foundational elements that, um, the fizzle roadmap in particular, um, enabled me to, um, to kind of put in place was kind of like it built the launch pad and then it gave me the rocket fuel to put inside of the rocket ship and, and everything was, was effective. Um, and obviously there were mistakes and learning curves and all that, but those were the buckets. Was that kind of what you were? Maybe. No, that's, that, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> For the listener to speak it back, like the operations, thinking about the operations, the systems of your business. I remember working with, um, with, a, with one of the best sales guys I ever worked with before. And the, the system, the, 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 the funnel of his sales process, the system and the actual like, like how a client comes in and then we sell the process. And there was this whole like systematized product and I, that just blew my whole mind. And I ran with that for like, for so long, every, every individual client that I had from that, it was like, I was selling the process or the results of the process or something like that. So let's switch back over here to Chris. And actually, before I do Corbett, what, uh, like, I'm wondering, do you have anything kind of coming up for you about like, that you think like we should at, we should dig into first about like what Chris's experiences or what his insights are like right now? for entrepreneurs? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, that I love about Chris is that he came from a, um, 
proper art background, you know, went to art school and was immersed in that world, that creative world where, as he was talking about earlier, you know, getting stuck in type typography or color or whatever. Uh, I'm sure that you spend so much time learning that stuff. And in some ways, um, you might write that off uh, in terms of like building a business. But on the other hand, to me, there's really two critical elements. The one is your craft and that's knowing the typography and the color and all that sort of stuff. And then the other side is knowing how to market yourself, find clients, put the structure together, all that sort of stuff. So um, I'd love to hear in Chris's background when that became apparent that you needed that other side and, and what road you went down first and, and what did you find that really worked for you um, when you were going off on your own and trying to marry craft with commerce or whatever you want to call it? All right. So that's, there's a lot of complexity to your, to your question there, Corbett. So let me see if I can figure this thing out here. I, I, I don't want to dismiss anybody that is doing and learning the craft, but I think the, it's a foolhardy concept to think that by mastering my craft and only doing that, that I'm going to be a successful person who can earn a living doing my craft. You, there's a chance that you can do that. And there's still a space for you out in the world. But I think that's a pretty myopic view of what the world looks like in 2019. And, and uh, if I can just interject, the, the reverse might be true as well, right? For people who only learn the business and marketing side, but have no craft, have no substance, they can struggle in, in an opposite sort of way, would you say? That's probably true too. But as we all find out, the top of the funnel is marketing and sales. And if you have that down, you can theoretically hire anybody. But if you have no sales, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're still sitting in your room thinking and dreaming about having a client to do work for or trying to figure out a way to make money. Um, and you may also want to pursue a career where you actually have no customers, where you're able to build a passive income business model. So you do need to know a little bit of something, but I'm finding out, and maybe it's just because I find what I, I, I find what I seek. You know, I find that there are people who are primarily self-taught, entirely self-taught in terms of like their entire education have been, having been homeschooled the entire time, that they're able to launch very successful businesses without knowing any of that. Like I met a guy yesterday. He was on a show. His name is Johnny Earl. You may know him as Johnny Cupcakes, who basically dropped out after one semester of college, has started 16 businesses, I think by the time he was 16 years old, is now running a multi-million dollar company. He's getting paid twenty-five, dollars $30,000 per speaking gig, and he speaks 80 times a year. This is a guy who basically had a little bit of music education, because that's what he was studying, and has gone on to be what I believe to be a super creative human being who trades in imagination. That's pretty dope if you think about that. So <laughs> I'm not so sure. And I think the rules that were very true just five or 10 years ago are being rewritten right now. And you can see this because I believe Google and Apple finally removed that you no longer are required to have a degree to get a job there. <laughs> They're realizing there are a lot of super smart self, uh, self learners uh, who are able to do incredible things and they don't want that to be the barrier anymore. So from the biggest, most influential companies, they're sending a very clear signal to the world. The education on that piece of paper is less important than the education that you have in your head. So we all like to learn. We might not learn it from a classroom. And there's a Mark Twain quote here. I'm, I just found it on Google. I have never let my schooling interfere with my education. <laughs> so I just want to say that, okay? So right now, if I had to choose between the two, Today, for my, my kids, I would say, do not go to design school. I would rather have you studied humanities, to study philosophy, literature, uh, rhetoric, communication skills, and learn something about business, and then learn the creative stuff, because it's so easy to learn on the internet now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is good. This is good. Okay, so here, here's, here's where I want to jump in. Okay, all right, I'm ready to jump in. <laughs> fired up. Let's get in. Let's get in here because you, you crushed this, right? You crushed this right in the beginning, out of the gate, right? You said to teach and empower creative entrepreneurs how to value themselves and communicate their value to other people, 
okay? To value themselves and to communicate that value to other people. In my little perusing of your website, I watched maybe, I watched two or three of your longer videos and I've seen you uh, engaging with classes. I don't know if those are, those are, are those people like that just come in from the surrounding area just to like do a class? Are, are they paying money to be, for you to teach them on their design? Because they all seem like they own agencies and stuff like that. Is that right? It depends on which video you watch. It can yeah. be that there are workshops that I'm conducting that they pay to be a part of. It yeah. could be that it's a very nominal fee. It could be actually be very expensive. I don't know. And sometimes there's students who part of their university take a tour of the office and we just film it. Yeah. Okay. I love this. I just, yeah. cause first of all, to me, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of anytime I'm in the room, this is just, I'm just going <laughs> to, this is just some things that I'm noticing. I want to hear it like respond. If, if you, if you, if you're learning anything about this, Chris, because like every time I get a, a group of uh, like, like any, like we're two or more are gathered where there's a few people we're talking about something about their business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, every single time at the end, I'm like, I should have filmed that. That should have been filmed and I should have recorded like an intro to it, maybe done a little cuts in between to do this. Like, here's what he was saying there. Here's what yada, yada, yada. And then like at the end, do an outro thing. And I realized you're already doing this in a lot of these videos. And I was like, okay, this is interesting because real life moments caught on tape where you're actually in what I call an inquiry with someone where you're like, you're like, you're doing the give and take and you're actually, especially when you're getting them to put their butt on the line for like, what do you want on your business? How much do you charge for logos? How much, like this sort of thing. It, it is, it, here's the thing that I, I'm looking at with, cause I'm a, right now I'm a full-time YouTuber. I'm doing YouTube full-time and I'm reviewing products and like I'm monetizing it. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're monetizing, you know, it's like, it's, it's exciting, but it's forced me to really think about what is content. What is it that we're doing when we're doing content? What is it that I'm experiencing when I'm taking content in? Because I take a lot of it in, right? And, and I've already, I think the market's super sophisticated about, like we can tell when we're being marketed to. Like we can tell when this is like second rate content, like it's an advertisement, like just loosely dressed up as, as content or something. So one of the first things that I learned from just watching your stuff is the way that you'll use real life interactions and you get it filmed and then you'll, you'll jump in and, and have like a two straight to camera sort of moment going on, which I feel like grounds that communication helps me actually like helps me actually get the insight that you're, that you're trying to communicate. Very, first of all, I just had to like spout that out because, because I've been thinking the same thing and I'm like, and I'm like, do I think we're going to see a lot of this? I think we're going to see a lot of this, a lot of real world stuff going on, hosting a workshop, having a group of friends over and getting it recorded. You know what I mean? And then content coming out of that, where you do some behind the scenes editing to make it more, channelable. I bring that up just because in the intro, we're talking about how are we doing content? How are we doing education? How are we doing things online to, uh, to support ourselves? And, I, and I'm just so curious before we go into the value and the value thing. So curious about what have you learned in the last little while after switching from client work to doing content stuff? Do you like, like what, what has that been like, Chris? Well, first of all, it's the most liberating thing that you can ever experience in your life. And the reason why my team has not spent one moment staying up at night thinking, oh, what was it like to have the masters tell us what to do? (laughs) Nobody's staying up at night thinking about that. I promise you that. Totally. Your freedom. Uh, Let me tell you the consequences of what we've, uh, what's happened since deciding moving away from service work to doing product work. Okay. One is we have no more salespeople. No more executive producers, producers, coordinators, project managers. It's all creatives and editors with my accountant. That's Mm -hmm. it. There's nobody answering phones anymore. Nobody managing the office. It's super streamlined. It's the pure creative company that you've always wanted to have. And now there's no account director. Nobody, there's no buffer between us and our customers. Our customers are people who watch our channel, who occasionally buy our products or show up to our events. And then we just want to deliver value. So it's the most liberating thing. It's the closest I imagine what an artist feels every single day of their life with a little bit more structure and, and a little bit more guarantee. Yeah. So it's the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Yeah. Nobody tells us what to do. Nobody tells us what to say. We get to make anything we want. And the only accountability we have is we look at the numbers and say, did we strike a chord with, our, with an audience? Did we deliver value today? Did we improve someone's lives? 
And if we didn't, let's go back to the drawing board and let's try again. There are really no penalties for messing up. So I encourage my team to mess up as many times as possible. So one of the key things we've learned is don't make big gambles, make small gambles because people worked on projects for weeks and we put it out into the universe and it's a dud. 5,000 people see it. So if you look at the effort, the energy, the resources that were consumed versus how many lives it touched, pretty dismal. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody else put in a day of thinking, a day of editing and writing, and then we produce this thing and 50,000 people see it, right? That's what we want. We want to make a lot of small gambles. This is right. where Seth Godin's thing is like, take a lot of risk because whoever fails the most wins. What he's talking about is making tiny failures versus one catastrophic failure. So we've learned these things and it's super liberating. Whenever I speak and do a workshop, I say, you know, my life is full of joy and happiness and self-determined just this is what I get to do. And I wish this for all of you. I wake up and I go to sleep whenever I want. Nothing is telling me to do anything. It's just the internal fire. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fire, uh, man, I'm so good at dovetailing. You're um, such a dovetailer. <laughs> my Jim Collins, <laughs> Jim Collins um, who we all know and love, I'm sure, has this uh, idea of fire bullets and fire cannibals. Are you guys familiar with this? No. So fire bullets is the same idea of these small gambles, right? Or these small little things. Um, and the idea behind what he's talking about, Chris, and I think, I think we can, we can draw this to, to when the tipping point, maybe, um, you, you can tell me if that's, if that's accurate, the tipping point between, um, you know, the blind transition to the future, but fire bullets is kind of like, okay, if you're, I think the, the analogy was you're on a, a pirate ship of some sort and you you've got, you've got, you know, X amount of cannibals. You've only got a couple cannibals, right? And one, it only takes one cannibal to sink a ship. Um, but you can't just start shooting cannonballs without, you know, properly calibrating. And, and to, to calibrate a cannon is, is, you know, one of those 1800 machines is, is not an easy tactic. So the idea was you have these bullets and these fire bullets and you shoot these bullets and you can see if it hits the ship because they're fiery, I think. I may be completely bastardizing this uh, analogy, by the way. So if you're listening to it and you're just shaking your head, please just Google it. Let us know (laughs) that Aiden's out out of his mind. Um, But the idea is that, you know, you're not going to do any damage with the bullets, but they are indicators that you're on the right track. And if you have one or two cannonballs, you want to reserve those for when you know that you're properly calibrated. And when you're properly calibrated, because you've been making these little tiny gambles and these little tiny risks, then you have a really good confidence to launch a cannon. And, um, and then, and then you can be almost certain that you're going to make impact. So I I guess, uh, Chris, does that resonate with you with regards to testing the future and testing this idea of, of this education style, um, that you were toying around with? Because I know you'd been teaching a lot at the, uh, at, at the university, um, while you were still doing a lot of creative animation production for blind, um, and, and doing these little tests, you know? Um, so would you, how would you describe that transition? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I taught at art center for 15 years and I taught at other schools as well for like 10 years. So it's not like I've, I'm new to the education space. I think what you're talking about, it sounds very similar to tracer bullets because you can't see your bullets in the night. Damn. You need that little Tracers. thing to kind of, you get to see it, right? Mm-hmm. So, or you play Battleship. You don't just try to go for the victory. You're kind of calibrating and you get closer and closer. So I, I, I think that's right. I mean, what we're doing, I think, is a little bit more scientific than just shooting something in the dark and seeing if we're close at all. I think we're looking at search trends. We're looking at things that are very popular, things that are topical. We're looking at the overlap. If you're drawing the Venn diagram, things that we know something about. So if there's a need for something and we know something about it and not, it's not well served, we're going to try to fire that bullet first. And we're going to see, like, does this work? Is this what the people want? And we don't automatically chalk it up as a loss or a failure if a lot of people don't watch it. Because it could be the title of a thumbnail, the way it's delivered, the energy. Is it too long? Is it too short? What is it? Yeah, so right. we give it a couple of shots before we say, you know what? It was not meant to be, at least not by us. Mm. Mm, this oh, cool. is interesting. This is very good. Okay. So, so what, I mean, even just in the, in the idea of looking at, we're looking at search, search volume, for example, we're just mm-hmm. looking at, we're looking at things that exist in the digital world that we have access to when you are, when you've worked on your craft, like when you've met someone who's good in the digital domain at understanding the frequencies with which some of these terms are being typed into the box at Google to be like, that's just like, it's like intention. It's like, I'm just like, I know I want this problem solved. Someone help. And they're just screaming out in the night, right? Right. Right. 
not a good thing out there for it, which is what my life's always been like being disappointed by the thing that I land on. It's like, why are we like, what, like, it's just, it, it, it could be so much, you could create this branded experience and, and there's nothing more brandy than your personality, right? Like, so one of the things I see you doing a lot, Chris, is like your personality, your, your person himself is, is, is in the, the, the frame, right? It's in the frame. It's like, it's, it's something that's so much more like anchoring than even the logo is right. It's this whole, like it's this thing that our whole human species has been like totally tuned up to understand the intricacies of what's going on and all these little tiny little facial movements and all this little (laughs) stuff, you know? So I love the idea of YouTube and of being able to do it on the web, but specifically YouTube, since it's such a, it's still, it feels like a very open field. It feels like a very, like they haven't, it's not totally, it's not like, I mean, you can get deplatformed and stuff like that, but it's, there's a, there's a lot, there's still people are finding my videos. I have no idea where this audience is coming from. (laughs) Well, I'd just like to jump in and say a couple of things. Okay. First is the idea of originality. How many times have we seen the classic love story? I I think Shakespeare perfected it, but we keep seeing it over and over again. Same characters. Do audiences keep showing up because they want your take on it, the directors or the writers, or they want to see with those actors and actresses playing those parts. The greatest example of this is the most recent, uh, what a love story. What was the one with, uh, with Lady Gaga and, uh, and what's the remake, the remake of Cooper. Yes, I know the stars born. 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 They made that movie four times. They made that movie four different times, four different eras for exactly the same reason you're talking about, Chris. It's like, so, what was it like with Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand? Right, right. So here's the idea then. It's my observation that you see people like Tony Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardone be these explosive, polarizing, magnetic people. And when you think about it and you read other sources where they get their information from, it's a rehash of what Jim Rohn has been talking about forever. Right. And then before Jim Rohn, it was his mentor. And before that, it was his mentor. So the same idea is being recycled. So why do people tune in? Why can Tony Robbins build a $100 million business, maybe a billion dollar business? I don't know. How can he do that sharing the same piece of information? It's because they show up for you. The word you is in unique. And that's why, because they connect to your personality. So when Jim Rohn says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, he's saying, be careful who you spend time with. Gary Vaynerchuk says, get rid of one loser friend. Same idea said in a very different voice, right? One is full of judgment and the other one is like, just be aware, mindfulness, (laughs) right? Same same thing. Yeah. And, And it's also really, really instrumental because depending on who you are as a person, you may resonate more or less with a different perspective. And that's why, that's why it's not, not just one at a time guru. There are plenty of people. They have plenty of different voices. And I think that's um, tying it back to kind of what, what some of the core discovery framework helps teach is that we are after, we have to be very, very careful with our voice and tone when we're making our messages because there is a very specific kind of person that's going to resonate. And, um, and there's, you know, there's benefits and risks to trying to um, accommodate everybody. Um, there's benefits and risks for trying to only um, include a very small subsect of people. Um, and so, so I, I love the approach um, that you take, Chris, because it is, it is very, I think it's almost like a Trojan horse, you know, um, you do have a very, very specific kind of direction with regards to, to creative professionals. Um, but it's, it's, um, the wisdom applies to all and the wisdom is from a more inclusive, uh, philosophical kind of, um, ideal. And I mean, this is the stuff that I just gobble up all the time is, is anything regarding to personal development through the lens of something very practical. Um, and, and that's what I think why entrepreneurship as a, idea has been so magnificent over the last handful of years because it's it's the way that the average american can do personal development right is be an entrepreneur and um and so so i do i'm kind of going on on all sorts of different tangents here but what i what i really appreciate about the uniqueness of the education initiative that you are propelling is it is holistic but it's still very niche and i think as far as an education platform that is something that I could never find in traditional school. 
Mm. So, so for that, that for me was why I was so attracted and so gravitated. Yeah, no, I, I resonate with that as well. There's definitely a, a let's talk about in a se- let's talk about what the the particular vibe of your stuff is, Chris. And and I want to and I have one specific question to ask about this originality thing first. But but first, a message from our sponsor, Corbett. We have a sponsor today, Teachable. What is Teachable all about? Yeah, this is a great sponsor for today. And I love these guys because Teachable makes it ridiculously easy to turn your knowledge into a beautiful and profitable online course. So whether you're a big name influencer like Pat Flynn or Melissa Griffin or Chris Doe from the future, or if you're just starting out on your side hustle, Teachable provides you with everything you need to grow and scale your brand and credibility. Our own Steph Crowder of the Courage and Clarity podcast has earned over six figures this year alone from courses that she hosts on Teachable. Listeners of The Fizzle Show get a full month of Teachable free, which includes step-by-step training to help you get your first online course up and earning income fast with zero technical headaches. So create your first online course by going to teachable.com slash fizzle and use the coupon code fizzle at checkout for your first month free. That's teachable.com slash fizzle and be sure to use coupon code fizzle at checkout for your first month free. I would also love to tell everybody today about Discover.bot. Discover.bot is an online community for bot creators built by Amazon Registry Services. If you're a newcomer in this space, Discover.bot will teach you everything there is to know about bots. Their beginner's guide to bots will teach you how bots were invented, the basics of how bots work, what they can do, where bots are developed and published. They also regularly publish how-to guides and the latest bot building resources on topics like how to design a bot personality, how to set up payments through your bot, and how to stop shopping cart abandonment. You can learn more and get the beginner's guide to bots at discover.bot slash fizzle. That's discover.bot slash fizzle. And thank you both to Teachable and Amazon Registry Services for supporting The Fizzle Show and independent entrepreneurship. And Discover.bot, too, instead of Amazon Registry Services. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But listen, the, uh, the question I have for you, Chris, on originality, I love it. Like, first of all, it seemed like you were like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff going on. First, originality. And then I didn't know if there was more things than anything. So I'm like, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, sir. Lay out the table <laughs> But this concept of originality, okay, so I, like, you're like, why, why are we seeing massive platforms created for like a, a Tony Robbins or, or in, in, name anybody here who's using that same Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar type stuff underneath? Uh, why does that happen? And it's like we're curious or we're craving or we're hungry for different expressions of that same thing because it's not not true anymore, but we want it to feel right now or we want it to feel like it connects to me. And and I don't know, something about Tony Robbins, like this fucking giant, something about this giant with a big neck and veins sticking out and he's yelling at me, something that, that <laughs> just does it for me, right? <laughs> but, but like this originality, you, you capped it off with like... The, it sounded like what you were saying was they're bringing themselves like they're like, like Tony is bringing Tony to the thing. Is that what you meant when you, when you said they show up with you, with, with yeah. their you? Well, we're all looking for a tribe, a mentor that we can relate to and hear their story. So what they're doing is they're filtering these stories through them. And we just want to huddle at their feet and yeah. hear how they tell the story. Yeah. And that, this is it. Whether it's Star Wars or a love story or Star Wars born to Tony Robbins and business mindfulness development, this stuff has been worked on maybe since ancient times. Like Buddha's got some really amazing wisdom that we keep recirculating and trying to make it relatable to the time. So we're looking for the performer, the truth sayer, the, the oracle, if you will, of our time. And, and everybody's got a different flavor of this. This is why it's so wonderful because you can be a gay black woman and have your own audience saying the same thing, relatively speaking. And this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like we can look at it from the perspective of like, I think about it and I studied a bit of Jungian psychology and there's there's this concept of the archetypical energies or the archetypes. And it's, and, and I find that if you look anyways, I won't go off on that because I think it's like (laughs) content shit. Like I think it's like, it'll help, it'll take you to the next, but I, but it's also like, it's just, it's not the four P's of personal branding. You You really like those. We need to actually do that. (laughs) 
So <laughs> we, <laughs> four we need to release the four piece of personal branding. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, I'm, first of all, I just want to, I want to open it up, Chris, you wrote, you, you, you mentioned the originality sounded like there might be something else there. Is there anything else you'd like to bring in relation to what, like, I don't know if you had it on the list or something like that. Just want to open it up for you. Shoot. It feels like that was a, a long time ago that we had this yeah, conversation. Right. right totally. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I wanted to say about that, but I think if we just get over this idea that what you have to author into the world is original. And I think it's very hard to do that today. Yeah. It just yeah. means you haven't done your research or you don't want to give credit to where you got things from. So if we can just let go of that idea. It empowers us to say, well, what's something that I learned and found very valuable? And how do I put my spin on this? And we're not talking about 180 degrees. We're talking about five degrees difference is all you need. Right. So I'm developing this lecture, this course idea where it's, we apply the five-on-one rule. Read five books on one subject. Process synthesize and transform those five pieces, find commonalities, group things together, find the outliers, build your stories, switch out the stories that they share with your own. Mm. And you can then become a teacher to people. It only, I think it only takes five books. And the reason why I say that is because why do people come to me and ask me for advice? Why are people paying to be part of my workshop? I think I've read five books on this topic and this is all I'm doing, but yeah. they like the way I tell it more than the, the way that you'd have to learn it from a book or a video, or they don't like this person and or they don't like me. And that's fine too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is where, and now we're, now we're back at be, making something valuable, being valuable, knowing that you're valuable, Jim Rohn, communicating, you gotta be more <laughs> valuable and then communicating that value. That's right. right. This second part. Okay. So like in the closing minutes of the show here, this communicating your value. All right. Mm -hmm. First of all, understanding and coming to terms with the value that you are is like, to me, a very psycho, psychosocial, a very personal, individualized journey. And, and when that connection to your value is authentic, real, and rich, then I find that it's almost, it's like hard not to communicate your value. It's hard right. not to communicate your value. But there's also, you can come at it the other way where it's just like, here's mistakes people make in communicating their value, right? Yeah. What, what like, what do you, I mean, you've seen, this is, that's the trend that I saw in a lot of your videos, Chris, as I saw you really deftly, expertly helping people confront the ways in which they're not owning, they're first of all, not owning and or, or understanding of what their value is, right? And then second of all, they're not, clearly if they don't understand it, they're not communicating it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if you had a billboard like that in a town like Kansas city, just full of designers or full of, full of uh, like, if you, if, if every creative could see a billboard that you put out there, if every, if every like little, like, you know, web guy or gal, if every design logo lady, if every, like all, all of this stuff could see a message about this value. How do you communicate your value from you? Gosh, I realize I've teed that up and like now it's like supposed to be like some big massive thing, but like it could be, you can just, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. If you, okay. You're ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Thank you. It could be. What would you, what yeah, would you put on the billboard? You put the ball right over home plate. I'm going to take a big swing and see what I can do. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. First, I want to say this is that just because you think you're valuable doesn't mean that you are. So I Ooh. do want to premise this by saying this, because if you That's haven't had time to read, to learn, to practice your craft or learn about business or philosophy about young, then you have not a lot to offer and that's okay. That's where we all begin. But I, I don't want it to confuse like some 17 year old kid is going to hear this and yeah. then say, I'm going to talk to a CEO of a billion dollar company and tell him his value. Yeah. But yeah. on the same point related to your concept about originality, we're tuning in to, to this particular person, say some old outdated or just like ancient dusty ass wisdom because we like something about them when they're owning their authentic authenticity. Right. I think about it as like this, the, the single largest audience on the face of the planet, as far as I'm, I, I'm aware of, is Joe Rogan, right? It's just like, it's just Joe, like his name, the podcast is called Joe Rogan Show. It's just like, it's just so simple. But the reason why so many people resonate when I experience him, I experience him as authentic. 
I experience him as real, as like like soup to nuts all the way down. He's being him, and I think this is like the woo way of of like you know being a human in the world. Right. But, but, but it, Joe Rogan, you're talking about Joe Rogan experience, the JRE, right? So it's the number one listened to podcast, I think, in the universe. I think. Yeah. All of all of iTunes algorithms are set up just so that Joe Rogan and like the Daily aren't number one every day. <laughs> That's what someone at iTunes I have heard. Like they're like, okay. we basically have to work our ass off just. But, to but do think that. about this: is the perfect thing. Joe Rogan is a very interesting person. He's a lifelong martial artist. He's a comedian. He he reads a lot and he's a philosopher. And he happens to commentate for the UFC, and so he's seen and witnessed things that are pretty crazy that average people don't get to see yeah. just because you're authentic doesn't mean you're guaranteed a platform on audience. You don't yeah. deserve that just by being authentic. Cause everybody can be authentic. Yeah. So you've got to go do something right. He's met a lot of interesting people. And as you can see, because weird topics come up all the time and he starts to spout off what he knows about it. And it's really interesting. This yeah. guy reads and thinks a lot. So he said something, I, I don't remember which guest was on. Maybe it was Vaynerchuk. He's like, I don't want to consume or be bothered by other people's thoughts because I'm just spending all my time thinking about the things that I think about. Mm -hmm. That was really profound. I didn't say that right. But if you listen to that, that story, it was like, yeah. wow. Joe That's said that. Joe said that. Like, I don't want to consume so much content because there's so many thoughts I'm, I'm mulling over. Yeah, I didn't do that justice, but he was basically saying there's so much noise and so many other things out there. Yeah. He doesn't have time to investigate other people's take on it because he wants to do his own take on it. He wants to think about the things he thinks about, yeah. right? Yeah. Of course, I, I totally messed that up. I know people are going to flame me for this later, but <laughs> the essence of what it is, is there. But just yeah. because you're authentic doesn't mean you're guaranteeing an audience. Now, mm -hmm. to get to the value and communicating value. Now, let's assume you do something that's incredible that you've put in the time to learn something, whether that's in university or outside, doesn't matter. We all heard this expression, show me, don't tell me. So I have this version of my expression of that, which is when you say it, you're selling. So when you're trying to convince a client of your value of why you should do X, Y, and Z, you're selling really hard and nobody likes to be sold to. But when they say it, you're closing. So you got to stop selling and start asking questions and framing it in a way that oh, is beneficial That's good. to the no, client. That's so good. Is that what you would put on the billboard? When, yeah. you, when you're talking, it's selling. When they're talking, it's closing. That's yes, so good. 100%. Oh, that is so legit because it, it's, it, I don't know if, if, I think a lot of people haven't experienced it. And it is so true. Right now, I'm, I'm working, consulting with a buddy to help him get his sales funnel moving. And, and he's like all stressed out about the sales. And, and it wasn't until later on that I realized like he thought he has to like convince them in an email. <laughs> I'm like, no, you start with a question. You hear what they're interested in. You align yourself with that and see if it's a fit. Right. They, they do all the work in this way. And that way, and what I find so different about this way, Chris, that you're talking about is it starts with them. It starts with you're aligning yourselves with their goal. Right. And yep. now you are like you, you are seen as an asset to them if they're committed to that goal. Right. And it's yeah, just, it's, it's like, it flips the whole game. Well, I'm going to go a little deeper because it. it's not just about asking questions so that you can align with them because then people will say, well, isn't that being inauthentic is, are you being disingenuous and aren't you just going to then jump on whatever they're jumping on? I do want to say this. There's a Greek philosopher. I think the way you say his name is Talus. And when his students had asked him, what's the most difficult thing? And he said, to know yourself, to know yourself. And then conversely, they asked him, what's the easiest thing? He says, to give advice. Just think about this. <laughs> Dallas, Talus predates Socrates, okay? This is a Greek philosopher. And to know yourself. So to know yourself is the thing that we all spend most of our lives trying to figure out. So when you're talking to a client and you're asking them questions, you're helping them to get clarity on who they are. And that's very valuable. This is very close to what therapists do. And I've seen a therapist before. I've seen how they work. And there's tropes about like ther therapists will say, tell me how you feel about this. Well, the reason why is they're asking you to understand yourself. And they've been trained like ninjas to listen very intently and yeah. then take what it is that you say and ask you to think through that to see if that's true. I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. I'm going to make this super concrete. It's very personal. Okay. So I'm seeing my family therapist and my wife and I were having some issues and it's around my oldest son. 
Now, my oldest son, he's a very intelligent, bright boy, and he's very empathetic. But for whatever reason, he wants to put on mom's clothes and walk in high heels. And he's like eight or nine years old. Mm. And I'm like on edge about this. I think I'm okay with him being gay, trans or whatever. But I just feel like as parents, we should provide some guidelines and boundaries on what you should or shouldn't do. So I'm waiting to see the therapist. I get in there. I'm like, you know, this is what my wife is doing. And she asked me this question. She said, if he were straight, could you make him gay? It's like, no, I don't think I have that kind of power. She goes, is there anything else you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) I came in full of anger, just this dispute between my wife and I, like finally Jones is going to like, just tell her she's wrong. She's a bad parent. And this is what we're supposed to do as parents. And she just asked one question Hmm. and all the energy, everything I had was disarmed immediately. And she didn't even tell me what to do. Yeah. Right. You think she learned that in like psychologist school? It's no, like she learned it in ninja school, dude. This <laughs> yeah. is what ninjas do. They chop it up ninja. and you're like, what? Right. <laughs> okay. So this she communicating valuable value thing is like massive. This is mad. Do you have a resource in hand? Do you have a, a YouTube video in particular, uh, a course of some kind that goes, that like gives people your foundation for this communicating value? I do not, core. sadly. I do not. Maybe core, <laughs> maybe core, but I do not. Hey, I would just encourage people to watch our videos because it's sprinkled in there. It's part of my DNA. And you'll see this thing being done and you think it's some kind of trick or it's a setup or yeah. it's all scripted and it's not. Really, I just try and help people to hear themselves. It's not even about me necessarily aligning myself to them. But when I help them to realize what it is that they're struggling with, all of a sudden they say, that was incredible. What, what Aiden and I are talking about in terms of discovery and core is something that's really fundamentally a game changer for the way we used to work. When we sit in a room with C-suite executives, CEO, CMO, CRO, CTOs, and we help them each to see what they want to see and they hear what they're supposed to hear, they do this amazing thing. Privately, they walk up to you and they give you a hug. And it's not just this obligatory thing because men don't like to hug each other, right? Just they hug and they say, thank you for doing this. And each of them say a slightly different message. So what they want to do is to be heard and to be understood mm-hmm. and appreciated. And you can do that. You've done some wonderful things. And this is why what we do becomes very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is good. And, and I think this is, this is kind of a perfect little transition to, and I, I do, I, I don't know, Chris, I, I want to tell you that, Core was kind of a little bit of an icebreaker to not only just figuring out the voice and tone of a brand that needs to resonate with, with the audience for a better user experience, but it did exactly that. You know, when, when we were able to harness that, we were doing so much more for our clients than just solving a branding problem. Uh, we, were, we were illuminating their own, the depths of their own personality, and they were able to discover their own value and untap a resource that was previously unavailable to them. Um, so so I, do, I do want to put, we'll, we'll put core in, in the show notes. I mean, it was invaluable for us, and I'm sure it, it continues to be invaluable for many people. Um, but also, on a one-to-one mentorship level. Uh, We are at Fizzle doing something kind of interesting, uh, which is that uh, we're about to launch a a jumpstart promo. Um, And Corbett, you can help me talk about this. But essentially, just to make the transition make sense here before we just start pitching hard at you. (laughs) The truth is, the uniqueness in that identification, when somebody understands your problem better than you and can articulate it to you, that gets all the trust in the world as, as the thing that you can then help them guide. So for example, if I'm having a certain problem with my business, I'm lacking motivation or discipline, or, or I can't just make that next step and do the thing that I need to do because I feel like it needs to be perfect. When I find somebody telling me that same story, but they're on the other end of that, I will do whatever they say. So my experience with Fizzle and the future enabling a lot of that for me, we're trying to kind of package into some sort of an accelerator, if you will, um, with, with a select group of Fizzlers. So Corbett, you want to talk a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so we're running a special promo called the Fizzle Jumpstart Bundle. And uh, you can find out more over at fizzle.co slash jumpstart. This is available for a limited time, only until June 30th. And what you get with the Jumpstart Bundle is a full year of Fizzle membership, 
Okay. And that, of course, includes the complete training library, the weekly group coaching, our support, premium web hosting, and access to our community for a full year. But in addition to that, for people who want a little bit more help, they want a little bit more handholding, a little bit more customized experience, we in this bundle are including an individualized planning session with a member of the Fizzle team to help sit down with you, make a plan, and help you get focused. Okay, so figure out what you should be working on. Then for two months each week, we will be personally checking in with you over email to keep you on track and make sure that you are doing what you committed to during our individualized planning session. So that'll get you on track with Fizzle. It'll get you indoctrinated into our methodology, into the roadmap. And then for the full year, you'll have access to the community the training, the support, the coaching, and so on. So uh, you can check that out over at fizzle.co slash jumpstart. And uh, the first 10 members who jump on this will also get a website evaluation from the Fizzle team where we'll critique your website and give you direct feedback and ideas for making your site more effective and for growing your audience. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, okay, one quick thing before Chris goes. Chris, what is this core thing I've heard a few times? Can you give us just a, a couple sentences on this thing? So that just in case, I think there might be people out there that are like, wait, what is that? Like, right, right. I've heard about it. What, what's the deal? Okay, core is a framework. And if I don't want to get too philosophical about it, but it's a framework that can be used for a lot of different things. It's centered around three principal exercises user profiles, building really deep user profiles to understand who your customers are, their wants, their needs, their beliefs, wish, hopes, dreams, fears, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It is also about defining the brand. So once you know who the users are, you define your brand to see where the overlap exists. Mm -hmm. And then the last exercise is a prioritization exercise. To what's going to build awareness? What's going to make the operation more efficient? How do we convert more? And then this is an exercise, a framework that you do with your client, not for your client. And this is the beginning of how you elevate and transform yourself from being an order taker to a consultant advisor. It's $500, it's $499. It was written by Jose Caballer and myself. And it was used primarily to help build much better websites. So a lot of people would describe this as user experience design, UX design, but it can be applied to a lot more than just that. Like I've used it personally to do branding projects, to write scripts for stories and, and videos that I've directed. We've used it to, to build software and mobile applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much. Anything else you, you would like to sh- say out to the Fizzle audience that's listening? No, I think your energy is super infectious. I wish there were more time, but uh, I enjoyed myself. So thanks for having well, me. You come on anytime. You get bored, you send us a text. We'll just start a podcast right there. <laughs> okay? Fantastic. That I think like there's a, a lot plan. of stuff that's coming. And like this, that billboard, you, okay, so like, you know, you got a little homework there and like, mm-hmm. what's the piece of content to take that billboard message out through, right? Because I, like I want like a seven minute video and a, and a two page worksheet on that personally. Yeah. Like I, that's what I want. And, and okay. because, like that idea of, of, uh, of just like when He's you're talking, down. when you're talking, you're selling. And when they're talking, you're closing. I'm just like, come on. Coffee is for closers. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> so good. What leads <laughs> Corbett, Aiden pleasure as always, dear listener. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being someone who cares about the ways in which you're building your business. Thank you for bringing yourself to the relationships in your life, to your own life. I mean, it's not like you have a choice. Right, <laughs> you're, you're you're on, you're in that meat suit, and you're riding through whatever the day has for you. And I love the way that Chris has infused throughout this language about autonomy, sovereignty, the ability to to wake up when you want to, to go to sleep when you want to, to do the things that you want to in your life how you want them. This is the dream. I get it. That like we need to do better. More people need to have that freedom. I also get that right now, we don't, we like, like, nobody just gets to do that. Not even the rich trust fund kids who, uh, by the way, I was, I was born, you know, upper middle class. Dad was self-made man, but like <laughs> he did a lot of self-making there that like that kind of opportunity that I had to explore my, my own person and to figure out how to turn that into, into creativity, into engagement with others, into performance was a total asset for me. 
And what I'm realizing now is that it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. We're coming into the age of the robots and what's going to survive for us humans is going to be our creativity. It's going to be the ways in which we pull ourselves out from the inside, from our cores and allow ourselves to flow through our creativity to engage and to, and to actually solve problems, meaningful problems on the other side of the computer screen. This is holy, you guys. This is sacred. This is humanity. And it's like, it's like, again, it's back to the beginning. We're literally spinning in the abyss of space and we have no idea what we're doing here. So let's figure it out for ourselves. How do you want your days to go? What do you want to contribute to? What are the voices you want to raise up? What are the problems you want to solve? Thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. You can find all the show notes for this episode at fizzleshow.co slash 321. That's fizzleshow.co slash 321. Our thanks to our sponsors and our guests and to all of you listening. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks for listening, y'all. Talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.